I wonder what God thinks on Sunday morning when he gets out of bed and looks down and see all these little groups. You see a, a little Baptist group over here, <clears throat> a little Methodist group over here, a little Presbyterian group over here, a little Episcopalian group over here, a little Catholic group over here, a little independent group. And he scratches his head and he says, <clears throat> I wonder what they're doing. What's going on down there? Because this is not the way it started. It's what it has become, but it's not the way it was started. And so I think we have to get to the place that we look at the pattern. If we want to know what real church is, we've got to have a pattern to compare it with. What is real church? Well, it's right there in the scripture. Anything we do and everything we do and all that we believe has to have scriptural basis, has to have the will of God, the word of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God supporting it. So when I begin to study this about how things have come so fragmented and so scattered and so different from what real church is, how do we find out what it is? Turn to book, the book of Acts chapter 2, and I'll tell you what real church is. We're familiar with this. And even though we are, I'm going to read it to you, and you can follow along if you like, because this is the birth of the New Testament church. This is the beginning of what this is now. This is the mother of it all. And if we want to know what real church is, I think we have to go back to the original. We have to see what it was. And we can see what it was and compare what it is today and come to the conclusion, is this real church or is it fake church? Church is more than a meeting, folks. It's more than an assembly. It's more than a gathering. It's more than a social coming together. Church is an encounter, a powerful encounter with God himself. And if you come together on Sunday and have a meeting when that encounter doesn't happen, you have fake church. In Acts chapter 2, the history of the church begins this way. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can somebody say amen? amen. That's the birth of it. And we want to look now at the result of that birth on that day, what happened. So if you'll turn the same chapter down to the 37th verse, we're going to find out what happened after Peter preached the first sermon, the first Holy Ghost sermon, the first anointed sermon recorded in the entire scriptures. After he preached that with great anointing, this is what happened. When they heard this, they were all pricked in their heart, and they said to Peter and to the rest of them, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent! Boy, you don't hear much about that anymore, do you? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
for the promises unto you and unto your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. And with many other words he did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly, not sadly or madly, but gladly, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day, listen to this, the same day after the sermon, 3,000 souls were added to the church. Now, once that happened, this continued. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and, every, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, glory to God, had all things common, no clicks, Thank you, Jesus. And sold their possessions and goods. Hallelujah. Parted them to all men as everyone had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and break, with breaking the bread from house to house that eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added, how often? What does it say? The Lord added, the Lord added daily. If the Lord added daily to the church and its real church, you would have at least 365 converts every year. If the Lord added daily to the church that is real church, you would explode exponentially in numbers. Real church does that. Fake church just makes people feel good. Warm and fuzzy. Comfortable and satisfied. A content to be mediocre. Just a cookie cutter Christian like so many more. But I'm going to tell you, real church ain't like that. As we look at the pattern and compare today's church with what we see in the book of Acts, I've come to the conclusion that I've got to do some recalibration. I've got to visit that again and begin to question my concept of church. I've got to see if I've fallen into some sort of a rut, some sort of a track of thinking, some sort of an attitude that has come so stereotyped of what church is, church, church is today, fake church is today, not real church. I was thinking as I drove up here today that, you know, I'm blessed. I, I, was, I, I was licensed to preach in 1957. And I'm not going to tell you how old I am. It's none of your business. <laughs> but I was born in 1935, as you can do some math. <laughs> I've lived a long time. And like the commercial on TV for the insurance guy says, you know, I've seen a lot. So I know a lot. I am absolutely a nobody, but God has packed me full of wisdom through experiences I've had. Not because I deserve it, not even because I was looking for it, but just because I've been beat up and knocked around and kicked and stomped and run off and cussed all these years. I've learned some things, bless God, and I've seen some things, hallelujah. And I guess if I had to tell you in all these 
50 plus years of ministry, I could probably count on my 10 fingers the times I've been in real church. But I'm telling you now, brothers and sisters, at my stage in life, I live in that dream that one day, somehow, some way, God will do it again. God will do it again. In the late 60s and early 70s, God blew through Lot Road Baptist Church like a Category 5 hurricane. This Baptist preacher was shaken to the roots when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, along with my wife and a few other members in that church. When it became noised abroad, people began to come out there. We had about 75 members. In a little church, it wouldn't seat much more than that. But when noise, it was noised abroad that something uh, real was happening. People flocked out there. I remember days when I stood up to preach and they would be standing outside looking in the windows. They would be packed in the foyer with no place to sit, standing around the walls. I remember there were so many people there in this wonderful experience of real church that when I preached, there were so many there. The guys from the, the kids from the college and, and the young people were laying prostrate on the floor all over the platform and I'm trying to preach and I'm stepping over bodies like this. And I looked on the front row and there were some Catholic nuns, a Catholic priest. And this is in the 60s. Let me tell you something. There were black people there. Hispanic people there. I saw affluent people there. I saw lawyers and doctors there. I saw dirt farmers there. I saw poor people there. It was packed with a tremendous homogenation of people. From all classes and cultures. That is church. Everybody together in one accord. Looking alike, talking alike, thinking alike, doing the things, doing the like things, the right things. I got a call one morning after one of those services, and I don't know whether this is real or not, but I got the call. One of the community leaders, the community people called me after one of those services the next morning and said, Brother Dick, I said, Yes, sir. Said, we don't know what's going on down there at your church, but we know we almost called the fire department last night because we stepped out in the front yard and saw flames coming off at the top of that building. Now, I didn't see them, but somebody must have. Hey, folks, that's real church. You can't go to real church and not something happen. You can't go to real church and not be engaged with God. You can't come to real church and leave the same way. You come one way and you leave a different way, a better way. You come to a new level, a new place, a new place in God you've never been before. And you have things like healing and deliverance and joy unspeakable and full of glory, a spring in your step. 
Everything looks differently. I mean, the grass is greener. The flowers are prettier. All of God's creation takes on an ambience that you've never known before. In the book of Acts, let me tell you what happens when real church happens. This is from the scripture. When real church is real church, in the book of Acts, when they prayed, the building shook. When they preached, conviction fell. When they worshiped, miracles happened. When they were persecuted, they increased exponentially in number. They were visited by angels. They heard sounds from heaven and saw heavenly sights. They were driven by the Holy Ghost and filled with the fire of God. They were fearless, bold, and courageous. They attempted and accomplished the impossible. They lived holy lives, were pure in spirit, right in their heart, and lived above reproach with integrity and honesty. They were empowered to do the very works that Jesus did. And they continued to do them by the power of the Holy Spirit. They healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils, and moved in the limitless power of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. I want that. I'm hungry for that. We need that. Tired of little assemblies together where we pat each other on the back and have mutual admirations. Let's get on with the program. The gifts of the Spirit functioned properly, legitimately. There were tongues with interpretation. There were prophecy, healings, and faith. Awesome miracles. They were not prisoners of any man or any movement, any religion, any government, or any social group. They were free. Everybody say free. free. That's real church. I was in Moscow. I think it was. It might have been Novosibirsk. Shortly after the communism collapsed, we were privileged to make connections with individuals in that part of the world, and we could take groups over there, 20 and 30 at a time, to have crusades. For 70 years, they'd been locked in atheism. They had no Bible. They had no real church. To them, God was dead. But I'm telling you, when the walls came down, I have never walked in a place in my life that was so inundated by hunger for God like I saw in those days. We had a meeting. We rented a cultural hall that would seat over 1,000 people. Our team went there not only to preach and hold evangelistic meetings, but to distribute Bibles in their own language. I carried thousands and thousands and thousands of New Testaments in the, New Te- in the, in the Russian language. For 70 years, they had no Bible. I remember getting off of the bus, headed there one day, when a little, a little Russian grandmother about this high, Stepped up to the bus as I stepped off, and she called me over and had an interpreter there by her side. And she handed me a little piece of paper about two or three inches in square, jagged around the edges. And she told the interpreter, tell me, this is the only Bible I've had for all my life. And it was a page out of the Bible, torn from somewhere in the script, the only Bible she had. And when we gave her that New Testament, I can still see her. 
And she hugged it to her breast and wept like a baby. So in this crusade, I don't remember whether I preached that night or somebody else, but I do remember they were packed. The building was packed. And as a matter of fact, they would stand in line for two or three blocks before the services started. We had to keep the doors locked. They were so anxious to get in and hear, hear, and experience real church. And when we opened the doors, we had to have crowd control people because it was almost like a riot. But they came in and got settled and we preached. Or someone did. The invitation was given. And as they stood in their seats, all it was a huge cultural hall. As they stood in their seats and we gave the invitation, if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Master, if you would like to be born again, if you would like to really know God, really know God, we invite you to come and we'll pray for you. We stepped back and to our amazement, every seat in the building emptied. Every person there crowded to the altar. We were so shocked. We, 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 said, we called the interpreter over and said, maybe we should say this again. Did they understand us? So we repeated the invitation, and they stayed at the front. And that evening, I was a part of the team that had the privilege of praying with them that wonderful prayer. Lord, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Save me and keep me. I love you. Over a thousand people saved in one meeting. Real church. Real church. Hey, all these things we do, wonderful. Thank God for the parties and the pizzas. Thank God for all the fellowship times, good times, wonderful. Yes, I'm not against that. But not at the expense of real church. I'm telling you folks, in Mississippi, uh, Vernacular, I was ruined. <laughs> Real church will ruin you. Because you know what? Everywhere I go, I say, God, do it again today. Maybe today's the day. Maybe this is the service. Maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the moment that once again, I'll have an introduction to Real church. And everybody will leave. Changed. Now let me tell you something about this church in the book of Acts. You know we count so many things as important and essential to us today. And they're wonderful tools for us to worship and have church with. Thank God for the ambience. This is a beautiful stage. Thank God for the screens. And thank God for this awesome worship team. What, what a blessing they are. And how privileged you are to have these people introduce you into an atmosphere where real, real worship can have a beginning place but the church in the book of Acts they didn't have live streaming they didn't have a TVs in the ceiling or nicely decorated platforms 
First, they didn't even have a building. Listen to me. They had no building. Where did they worship? Well, in the, out in the field somewhere under a tree. Or they gathered on the porch of the temple, which they often got run off from that. But they didn't even have a building. They had little or no organization, no Sunday school, no denominational headquarters, no trained or experienced personnel, no seminaries, no Bible college, no president or board of directors. They were loose. They were free. They had limited education. None were seminary graduates of Bible school scholars or theologians. Most in the early church The real church were poor common people, laborers and fishermen and tax gatherers, farmhands, shepherds and twice-born prostitutes. What a riffraff. They had no finance committee. No budget. No, thank God, deacons meetings. You know, I've been in churches that were deacon-possessed. <laughs> this is why I so am so glad that in my tenure on this earth, God has allowed me to just tap into a little bit of the real thing. Because it, it causes me to see the ridiculous, ridiculous stuff that goes on in the name of church. Well, their treasury had run off with a bag of money. They didn't have any money. They had no help from outsiders, no sponsors. They were hated and feared and rejected, ignored, imprisoned and persecuted, falsely accused and blamed. Everything that went wrong went wrong. They didn't enjoy popularity. Religious leaders hated them, lied about them, threatened them and had them thrown in jail. This is the early church, the real church. Listen to me. And they believed an impossible and preached an impossible, absolutely unreal message. Listen. You know what they preached? They preached, well, there was this man born in Nazareth. He was a son of a poor carpenter. He didn't have nothing. He didn't have any education. He didn't know nothing. He was a nobody. And he is the Messiah. Who's going to believe that? They went on. Not only was he the Messiah, he was accused, falsely accused, tried by this religious bunch of hypocrites, found guilty of treason, nailed to a cross, died like a Roman prisoner, crucified, buried. But he came out of the tomb. He's alive. And more than that, 40 days later, we were on a mountaintop, and guess what? He just flew right back up to heaven. Who in the world's going to believe that? Can you see how God was with him? Can you possibly see how absolutely phenomenal God was with this motley bunch of nobodies? Nobody wanted them. Nobody cared for them. They were the riffraff of society, and yet God chose them, and they are today the crown jewels of heaven. Glory to God forevermore. I'm getting excited. Hallelujah. Jesus. 
had no government support or favor. They, the government hated them. They had no television ministry, satellite communication, internet, media technology. They preached on streets and jails and homes and open fields without microphones, headsets, prompters, or PowerPoint presentations. This is the real church I'm talking about. This is the real church. And yet today we have all these accoutrements, these wonderful things that God's given us. And we're satisfied with a mediocre message, mundane living, halfway faith, do-nothing life. We come dead, leave dead, leave dead, stay dead. I'm ready for a real church. I'm ready for resurrection. Glory to God. Give us a resurrection, God. Stir us to our roots, God. Wake us up, God. Help us never to be satisfied with the mediocre, the mundane, the do-nothing. God, give us shock in all church. Real church. Another time I went and experienced, by the grace of God, real church. Back in the, uh, I guess it was the late, early 90s it was. I was selected as a, with a group of pastors to travel to Santiago, Chile. To teach in a conference of United Methodist Church leaders in Santiago. Now these are the intelligentsia of that area. These are the doctors and the lawyers and the educators. These are the professional people who are coming to this conference, this very liberal, high-class conference. And they wanted some Bible teachers to come down and lead in seminars, and I was selected to go. And They wanted me to teach him about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I thought, God, what are you doing to me? And so we went, went, and it was held in a seminary, by the way, and we were on campus in their chapel, and I'd received my assignment. We had team members, and each of them had small groups they met with, and they had a classroom for me and a place for me to go teach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I made... Went to my classroom, and and it was about the size of this center section here, maybe a little more, and it was packed. And these guys were sitting on the edge of their seat. It was like, tell me something. Oh, God, tell me something. I want, I want to, I want to, what have you got to tell me about this thing that's so phenomenal? We've been reading about it happening down in your country. Tell me about it. And I was anxious to do it. I was just going to give my testimony and the testimony of, Lot Road Church that became Life Church and became Life Church Ministries. When I got there, I got my notes already, and they were sitting on the edge of the seat. They speak Spanish, of course. I only speak in English and tongues. That's it. That's the best I can do. So I couldn't communicate with them unless I had a translator. And guess what? They forgot to give me a translator. I had no translator. I'm here in front of this 
group of excited, expectant, high church Methodists wanting to know about the Holy Ghost, and I don't have any way to communicate with them. So I waited around and hopefully, hoping that whoever was supposed to translate would come. And I got antsy and nervous. They were nervous. And, and uh, I, I decided that I would take a piece of chalk and try to communicate with them by drawing on the board. Have you ever tried to draw the baptism in the Holy Ghost? <laughs> That's exactly the way they felt. And then... I just really got angry. I got angry. I said, I've come all these miles. God, you sent me down here. You gave me something to tell these people. They want to hear it. And now it's impossible. Who caused this? Well, you know who caused it. It was the devil. And so I got mad. And so in the, in the midst of my anger, I just, I just leaned over that podium and, and I just began... Boy, I went on like that for 10 minutes. And they looked at me, their eyes were this big. And then they looked around. They were all stunned. And I just kept going. I mean, when the pump's running, keep it running. So I just kept it going. And do you know what? In just a few minutes, a little lady in the back of that, she began to raise her hands. And another one over here began to raise her hands. And another one over here began to raise And they stood up. And in just a matter of moments, every person in that classroom stood up and they raised their hands. They began to praise God. And I listened and guess what? Every one of them had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Every one of them. Go figure. Go figure. Go figure. We were so excited. We had, we, we had real church. Nobody, nobody knew what anybody was saying, but we had real church. Real church. And when it kind of simmered down a little bit, I finally got somebody there that could translate for me. And I said, would you please ask these people what in the world they heard and what's going on? Did they, what, what happened? And so he spoke in Spanish with them a little bit, and they spoke back with him, and it went on for a while. And he looked at me and he says, Preacher, they heard you teach them how to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit in a language they could understand. If that's not Acts 2 church, I don't know what is. If that's not real church, What an honor. And you know, folks, I'm so blessed. Like I said, I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot. I've seen God in ways that many of you have never seen. Him. I've been in places that you've never been. I've saw, I have experienced wonderful encounters with God that few people on this planet. And I'm so indebted to Him. I'm so, I'm so grateful to Him. I'm, I'm so stirred by Him. I want to tell everybody. I want, a, I want an audience, I want the world to hear this. And we need real church. We don't need more of the same old, same old. We need real church. We need church where God is engaged and the Holy Spirit is free and people are energized, anointed, appointed, selected and sent. 
You know what? It, the book of Acts covers a period of history for about 56 years. In the first 25 years of the history of this church that's real that I'm telling you about in the book of Acts, in the first 25 years, the scripture says, they turned the world upside down. How long have we had the gospel? How long have we had this modern, wonderful, unbelievable technology of communication? And the world seems to be getting worse and not better. People are crazy. They're deceived, oppressed, possessed. And church people, excuse me, most of them are ignorant. Paul talked about the church of the ignorant brethren. Most churches I preach in are the churches of the ignorant brethren because they don't know the truth. And they're not even searching for it, but that's not this church. God has put this church here, and I believe he spoke to me as I was sitting right over there, that God has given you an opportunity that this place, if you will follow him, if you will listen to what he's telling you about what real church is, and if you'll pursue that with passion, and you won't turn either to the left or the right, but I mean like a hound dog on a trail. You'll go there and you won't stop till you get what I've been talking about. You'll get what's written in that book. And when you get it, guess what? Hurt is going to come alive. Mississippi is going to come alive. People will drive for hundreds of miles to get here. You won't be a community church. You'll be a world church. And that should be your vision anyway. The gospel's got to get out of these walls. It's got to get out. And it'll get out when we have real church. How many of y'all want that? You want real church? Do you want real church? Are you ready for real church? It's not just going to be a collective blessing. Guess what? It's going to help you. Can you imagine if you had these awesome things going on in your life, in your daily activities, when you meet opposition and you meet circumstances and situations and shattered relationships, if you had what they had, don't you see how you can conquer every enemy? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. With men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. You're sitting today on a great place of grand opportunity. Let's make up our mind that we're going to have real church at Hurley. Real church. Now, if I don't ever come back, you heard my heart. If you don't like it, I really don't care. If I've caused you to have an opinion about me, guess what? You ain't the first one. I've been called by more things than you'd want to hear. But, you know, God, what a privilege. What a privilege to be different. What a, what a privilege to kick over sacred cows. What a privilege to go places people have never been before. Glory to God. I can't be satisfied even now with the normal. Man, if it's not God packed and Holy Ghost sent, I don't want it. But if I have that, glory to God, I've got everything. And so I'm believing for real church. Would you stand up while we pray just a minute? We're going to be out of here.